This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're, 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 tuned, you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I'm Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's uh, almost game day. At least it's, we're getting there. There's a game on tonight. There is a game on tonight. And you know what's awesome about tonight's segment, episode, Thursday night, preview Bengals Dallas. We have a guest on. One of my favorite guests. I'm not just saying that because Duke Mannyweather is on right now and you can see him on the top corner of this video. But he joins me pretty much every year for the last three years. We get to talk offensive linemen because everybody wants to talk about that in Cincinnati. Duke, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me back, Lindsay and uh, Mike. Uh, always a pleasure. We seem to be able to do this, as you say, once a year and then around the draft time. So um, it is one of my favorite things to do is to talk offensive line play. Uh, but I've got a bone to pick with you because I oh. hear you. you're not going to be in Dallas this weekend for the game. I'm not going to Dallas, and I'm so bummed because Jerry's World looks absolutely amazing. It's on the bucket list for me personally. Just the images, videos, you have to go. My dad went to a game a couple years ago, and he said the scoreboard alone is something to just see when you walk into that stadium. So I'm extremely jealous of all the fans making their way down in uh, Dallas. 2016, I believe, is when Cincinnati was here last. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. And the thing is, there are a lot of fans traveling to that game. So you'll see a lot of orange and black at the brewery Saturday night. And then, of course, for Bengals and the Cowboys on Sunday. But uh, as I mentioned, offensive line, it's always a topic in Cincinnati. And it's always a topic in the NFL. You look at this past game. Obviously, Joe Burrow struggled. Some of those sacks were because of Joe Burrow. Should fans be concerned with this new offensive line already? I don't think there should be panic mode right now. Uh, when you bring in new pieces, um, which you see a new guard, a new center. Actually, the only piece that is returning at this point is uh, is Jonah. So you've got four new pieces. Um, they really didn't take live reps in the preseason. So it's going to take time. Um, you know, Frank Pollock has a pretty good track record. Uh, getting those units ready to play. Um, they're going to play tough. But, you know, when you implement four new guys into a lineup, there's a level of continuity that needs to be created. Chemistry, um, the communication has to be there. And that takes time. Um, fans are not going to hear this, but that could take anywhere from six to eight weeks where guys playing next to each other and where you can just kind of give a grunt or a look um, without verbally saying things to understand what the guy next to you is doing. Um, and then you couple that in with, you know, you've got a rookie starting at left guard at this point. So he's going to go through his natural rookie, quote-unquote, growing pains. Um, and as we saw that, it is a hell of a way to start the season when you're when you're <laughs> lined up against Cam Hayward. Um, Volson's play strength was always a question of mine and a concern. On, on his tape, even when I looked at him at North Dakota State, um, I didn't see a guy that can overpower um, his competition every given play. Typically, one of the things that I like to look at when I'm scouting uh, smaller school FCS, Division II, Division III offensive linemen is, are they physically imposing every single play? Are they finishing every single play? Is their strength the outlier, uh, like the outlier in everything that they do? 
And though I thought he was very adequate and he looked strong, I didn't see it imposing his will all the time in North Dakota State tape. So that was a question I had for him making that transition to Sundays. And I still don't think we know yet because, like I said, Cam Hayward isn't an accurate um, you know, gauge in terms of how strong a guy is because I've seen Cam Hayward do that to some of the strongest guards in the NFL over the years. But uh, I think there's small things. We talk about controllables all the time with the guys that I work with. Um, there's small things that have to get cleaned up. I think you saw Jonah struggle early in in the game um, against Highsmith. Um, and, then, you know, Lyle Collins had a rough game. Um, he hasn't played uh, much in the preseason. I think he slowly ramped into to camp and then um, just the overall practice. So um, those two guys as veterans got to bring it. They got to come with it. I think we saw uh, Ted at center play pretty decently and Kappa play pretty decently. But, you know, you want better play from your bookhead tackles. Um, I think Jonah get there. You know, Lyle's going to have to probably play himself into shape or whatever he's got going on. Uh, but again, another tough draw with JJ Watt. I mean, uh, TJ Watt um, that, that Lyle faced. So there's a, it, it's tough to say. You know, Pittsburgh has traditionally been down, but their defense, and that front seven, is a hard draw in your first game with a new line with, uh, you know, four new pieces, with one of those being a rookie. So I think we'll learn a lot this week about the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line against Dallas. Um, Dallas's defense, again, you know, they may have lost 19-3 to Tampa Bay, but they're a very active front seven. They're deep in terms of their rotation in the interior. And then they've got a really special rusher in Michael Parsons. Uh, Michael Parsons that can do some things off of both edges. And then we know that, you know, D-Law, has the ability to line up at a three technique or an edge player and really cause some havoc. You mentioned Lyle Collins and just this offseason alone, I think a lot of Bengals fans were so excited because obviously the topic since Joe Burrow has arrived here and even honestly since after the 2015 season is this offensive line. He was a big free agent signing. What did you like about that? Because obviously he didn't get a lot of reps in training camp and you're pretty much playing catch up when you don't play in preseason either, but still a solid signing for them when it comes to right tackle. Yeah, it's a double-edged sword, sword with not playing guys in the preseason. Um, you like to think that you're getting enough work in and practice during camp and then enjoy practices where you don't have to quote unquote expose them um, in, in, in preseason games to injury uh, is really what it is. You want to keep these guys as healthy as possible but there's something to be said about game tempo. There's something to be said about the ebbs and flows of a game and being able to dig yourself out, uh, you know, drive in and drive out and really getting up for it. That I think that goes uh, a little under the radar. Like, yes, these guys are professionals, but the game, the game, being in game presents its own set of challenges that no joint practice, that no uh, scrimmage or anything that is a bit that's scripted. Uh, can really prepare you for because anything can happen when you get out there in a live performance situation. And, and that goes for any sports. I mean, we all have a, the old cliche, everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. And that goes for every sport. I mean, I can have a testament to that as, you know, still as a competitive powerlifter. I had one of my best preps ever, um, and I step up on the platform for my opening squat, and I tear my quad tendon, patella tendon in my left knee, quad tendon in my right knee. Great prep, thought I was going to break a couple of records that day, and with one rep, I was done. Um, so you just never know in competition uh, the ebbs and flows and the challenges and the adversity that you're going to have to battle back for from. And the only thing that really prepares you for that in the NFL is being able to play in live situations. So I think with Lyell, um, you would like to see him have a better showing this week. Um, it looked like that the game was moving just a little faster than he was able to process and either react to. Um, hopefully that's just a little rust and that's not uh, a, a bigger uh, litmus test or telltale sign of maybe, maybe some decline. Uh, maybe he came in banged up. I don't know how to talk to LC, uh, but it was not one of his better showings. But again, you're playing against T.J. Watt. You're playing against an active front seven. 
But uh, there were some controllables there that I didn't think he owned. But I would like to see LC come out this week. Uh, looking like the 71 that we saw in Dallas. And I think he's going to have a little added motivation this week coming back into AT&T Stadium, knowing what was said about him uh, from the team side from Dallas. Um, understand that he was he felt like he was kind of discarded, you know, or, you know, there was reports that he had ran his course, that he had soured people in the building the runway. So players typically find that intrinsic motivation uh, and sometimes external motivation to get up for situations like that. But at the end of the day, like football is football, your fundamentals, your, your movement, all that stuff has to be there. It doesn't matter what your intentions are of getting up for the game and all that. If you can't play and you can't execute the fundamentals and the basics and stuff like that, that shit doesn't matter at all. So you've got to come out and be ready to go. We talk about some of the free agents, Ted Karras, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras was even named a captain right before the season started. Some of the guys who had a pretty solid game would be, I would consider Alex Kappa. And then you look at the relationship that Ted Karras is getting early with his quarterback and Joe Burrow. What did you think about those signings for the club? Yeah, absolutely. Ted has been a very steady uh, veteran. Um, you know, he's not going to wow you with anything that he does, but dependable, dependable, uh, available all the time. Um, and so he's a quality starter. Um, Alex Kappa, um, same thing. Alex Kappa is a guy that can do a bunch of different things. He's big. He's physical. He's had great success early on in his career at Tampa Bay. Uh, was able to bounce back from an injury. Um, and I'm partial to Alex Kappa because Alex Kappa went to my alma mater. And I was actually part of uh, the staff that recruited Alex Kappa before I got into the private sector. Uh, and that, was, that would have been late 2012, early 2013, before I left Humboldt State. So Alex Kappa uh, and I have uh, a history. Um, and so I kind of know the way he came up. And so I'm elated to see him uh, having the success that he's having um, here in the NFL. But great signing, in my opinion. Um, I think that you saw him play a very steady game last week. There was a couple of big blocks that he made to spring uh, some runs. There was a nice dry block that I think I commented on during a live action that I thought was really good. I'm going to cut that up because it was just a guy trying to cross his face. He got underneath him, kept his feet moving, and just washed him all the way to the other side. That's the type of stuff you see from Alex Kappa, just the resiliency and everything that he does. But I think with those three free agents that they signed, again, I go back, keep going back to this. Those three, those three free agents that they signed, they've got to show up. And they've got to be um, the, the anchors, pun intended, uh, of that offensive line to bring that young guy along and then with Jonah's veteran presence. Jonah Williams, you know, when you think about left tackles in the NFL, it's really good to have a solid left tackle. And that's where the money is if you're not getting paid at the guard position. I feel like this is a big season for Jonah Williams. You know, you think about early on in his career in Cincinnati, and he was battling injuries and just getting through a full season was huge for Jonah. What do you think the future is for him on this squad and what he can really do this season at left tackle? Quite frankly, um, there's a couple of different things that go into that. You mentioned the injuries, but then you also mentioned – you also have to take into account uh, the different coaching that he's had now, you know. So um, I think that under Frank Pollock, uh, now you would like to see Jonah continue to play with more consistency and take a leap, um, you know, barring injury. I think that uh, Jonah's still on the trajectory to have a really good season. Um, and, I, again, I think it's, it's a huge um, – it, it's huge, you know. If Jonah can prove that he's a high-quality uh, top end starter, he's going to get paid as such. Um, if not, you know, you know, you're kind of leaving it to chance to see exactly uh, what type of money that you're going to earn. But I would like to see him come out. I would like to see him be very, very, uh, you know, um, the, the, the consistent in terms of pass protection um, because I, I really like Jonah. He was a guy that I liked at Alabama. I just love the things that he did, and I saw where his career could go. Um, sadly, uh, early on, that was slowed by injuries and then also coaching changes. So, uh, again, with the position needs stability and continuity. So now with Frank Pollock back, um, you know, another year under the belt, 
Um, I, I would like to see Jonah take the lead now because I think this is now going to be year two of Frank being back. Um, so let's see, let's see that that uh, escalation in, in uh, performance. To flip sides, Quentin Nelson seems to get like all of the hype for every offensive lineman, but facing Dallas this week, and I think Zach Martin is probably just as good and has been for about a decade. Zach Martin's, a, Zach Martin's the best guard in the league. Um, that's what, yeah. Plain and simple. Um, I love Quentin Nelson. I think Quentin Nelson's the best left guard in the league. Uh, and Zach Martin's the best right guard in the league. But I think that Zach Martin is the best offensive lineman in the NFL. And I mean, that's regardless of position. I don't matter tackle, guard, center. I think he is the best offensive lineman in the league. Uh, Trent Williams is probably right after him. Um, but the consistency in which Zach plays with technique, fundamentals, his ability to recover, you don't really see him out of position or get beat much. And the thing is, is he's been able to do it um, no matter who's behind him running, no matter who's on the side of him. He's now played with, uh, I believe, three centers. Um, he's played with Travis Frederick. He's played with uh, Joe Looney. He's played now with Tyler Biotish. Um, he's played again with four or five right tackles um, with Doug Free, Jeremy Pardell, uh, Myel Collins, and uh, now Terrence Steele. But Zach Martin has remained constant. So um, I'm a fan of Zach. Zach's a really good friend of mine. Uh, we chat all the time, exchange ideas, bounce ideas off of each other. And uh, he's one of my favorite guys to watch. Yeah, just he feels like the offensive lineman's offensive lineman, and he just seems like when I when I've watched, I don't have as talented an eye, but when I watch him, I'm just like that. I mean, Quentin Nelson gets the hype, but Zach Martin to me is just as good or better, and like you're saying, it kind of uh, confirms that um, thought. So, well, last Quint, question: Quint, Quentin's really, really good. Yeah, I yeah. Think, I think what sticks out about Quentin is that he has so many physical and highlight type blocks that, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's what, that's what society is right now. Like the, the social media, the things that you can go up there that where the average person understands, Oh, he just knocked the hell out of somebody, you know, you, you know, and I mean, that's part of Quentin's game, but you know, also locking people up is a part of Quentin's game. So Quentin can do it all, you know, but I think the notoriety that Quentin gets uh, is just uh, because he is one of the best in the game, which, you know, you can't take that away from him. The way he plays the game, he plays the game the way it's supposed to be played. He plays the game with passion. He plays the game tough. He plays the game physical. He plays with an edge. Um, and again, he, you're going to turn on the tape and you're going to see some physical devastating blocks. So Quentin Nelson, in my book, um, you know, is trajectory to be a Hall of Famer himself. Yeah, he's incredible. I just, I think they should give the same amount of love on the other side to Zach Martin. But um, really just uh, the only other thing I wanted to ask you about was what is something, I know you, you've done some work with uh, Jonah Williams. A lot of people just think these guys are just, you know, hitting guys and blocking, but what's something that make, that stands out with him? I think of his hands and his balance as being really, really good. But uh, I was asked, wanted to know what you think stands out about him in general as a left tackle. I actually have not worked with Jonah. Um, oh, okay. Know, My bad. Me and Jonah have a good relationship. But, uh, again, you just said his consistency with his sets, his balance, um, his hands. He's really patient. Um, the, 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 the fundamentals are there for Jonah. Uh, some of the things that gets him in trouble from time to time is just his overall play strength, his ability to anchor. But as far as fundamentals, technique, I mean, he's a textbook worker. He's diligent. And in that regard, he's very consistent, you know, but I would like to see, I would like to see him consistently put it together where that consistency from technique and, you know, the critical factors and traits turn into consistency with uh, overall performance and not, and, and do not misconstrue what I'm saying. Jonah has been a really good player um, and a solid functional starter. Um, I just, I want him to leave no doubt this season and just be off the charts. That way he can go into free agency and maximizing every dime that he can get. I want him to have that type of leverage for the trajectory of his career.
It's a big year for Jonah Williams. It's a big year for you, Duke Manyweather. I can't thank you enough for joining us. What's the coolest thing about you right now? What you have a lot of cool things going on. You got the beer, you got the t-shirt, the O-line merchandise. We'd love to see it. But O-line Masterminds keeps getting bigger and bigger each year. It felt like this year was humongous for you. And I love to see it because you're one of the hardest working guys on the league. And I love that people are giving you the attention you deserve. And I can't wait to see it next year. Thanks again for joining us on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The Bengals mailbag time. This is my favorite part because Twitter world can ask their questions every Thursday. Make sure you're tweeting us, Bengals underscore Sands, LNDS Patterson. I'm going to start with this. It's not a question, but kind of is. It's not one on Twitter, but I'm bringing it up because it was a hot topic, a fun topic on social media. It was an announcement today. Joe Burrow's teaming up with Guinness. I made the comment, I've never finished a Guinness beer beverage in my entire life. I just, I've never done it because that stuff is just a little too fulfilling for me. A lot of people had opinions on it. Nobody was mean. Everybody was kind of having fun with it. Are you a Guinness drinker? Um, The only time I have Guinness really is when I'm doing Baileys and uh, (laughs) dropping bombs into the Guinness. So. Maybe. Uh, I I don't really drink it by itself. I don't know. It's not really a, a beer that I enjoy by itself, but when I'm creating things with it. I do that. I'll say that Dan Horde won because I want to say that he posted a picture when he was in Ireland and he had a Guinness. And I feel like if you're in Ireland, you have to have one. So he wins. Uh, but overall, yeah, that's if, if the Bengals win on Sunday, I promise the Twitter world, I will have my first full Guinness and finish it. So to be determined on if that happens or not, or if that streak just keeps going on to New York Jets. Uh, we'll get to yeah. the Twitter question. Brett says, which team is showing up on Sunday versus the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, I mean, I think it'll be a much better performance. It's hard to get worse, at least in the first half. So to me, I think it's last year's Bengals. Is it the playoff Bengals that could win a game with their defense and keeping care of the ball on offense and getting a couple explosive plays? Or is it, you know, Chiefs Bengals where (laughs) they can explode at any moment? I don't know. But I don't think you'll see what I think of with that Steelers Bengals type game or when they played. I don't think they'll play like they did against the Jets last year and get another disappointing type game in there. I think it'll be – I'm guessing this will be a wire-to-wire victory for the Bengals. They they can't afford to blow this one. They know that, so they're going to just play safe, move the ball, do everything that they need to do, play – give uh, take what the defense gives them. Yeah, I agree with that right now. And I feel like it's going to come back and bite me if I say it, but I've said it a couple times already since Sunday. I don't think Joe Burrow plays like that again. I don't think it's this week, at least. I mean, will he have a multi-interception game? 100% that's going to happen in his NFL career. I have no doubt about it because the guy likes to take a risk and throw the ball down the field too. So I have no doubt that's going to happen. But for me personally, I think he has a good good game, bounces back, and I still like this defense a lot going into Dallas. Go to Guduba. I hope I'm saying your Twitter name right. I did (laughs) practice before we started. And he says, will the Cowboys finally score a touchdown versus this defense? Because they were the only NFL team not to score a touchdown this past weekend which is wild to me that's tough to say no to so i'll say yeah but uh i one i'll give them one i think it's tough to not score a touchdown in two games i guess um 
Ken Zampezi managed it before, but uh, oh, uh, oh, I don't was... bring that memory back. How <laughs> an offensive coordinator? That's just insane to me. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll score one. I don't know. I'd feel bad if I remember what it was like watching the Bengals not score any touchdowns. I don't want. I don't want to wish that on anybody. I don't either. I actually do think the Cowboys will score a touchdown this weekend and maybe two. Jacob W. says, who will get the first sack? I'll go first. I think it's going to be Trey Hendrickson. I think this is just really where it gets going for Trey, and he's going to have the same year that he had in 2021. He was when he was with the Saints previously to that. I, I feel good about it. I'm going to say, Trey, who's getting it for you? Uh, well, I'll have to cover us a little bit more. Um <laughs> since you're getting Trey, which I think is the odds-on favorite. Softball, but... softball answer. I mean, I went really used to that one. I mean, wow, way to, way to go out on a limb. Yeah, I'll just uh, – I'll say it's a weird one, and we get the first sack from – I'll go Mike Hilton. Oh, I like that. I like that because I was actually picking Mike Hilton to get the first interception of the year, but I like the sack better. So we'll go um, – Goose says the game plan versus this Cowboys defense. Obviously, all the talk this week is Micah Parsons. He terrifies me, to be completely honest with you. And you just saw what happened against a really good defense in the Pittsburgh Steelers. What is going to be the game plan for the Cincinnati offense? I would say, so the interesting thing about what Dallas does is they they like to move Micah around, get him, get him mismatches. And then the one thing that they do that's annoying is they'll put him at linebacker and put five guys in front of him so that the offensive line has to pick those five up and then they get him one-on-one with the running back sometimes. Don't let that happen. <laughs> That's my first idea is just don't allow Micah Parsons to be playing to picked up by the running back. And then other than that, if he's ever on the edge, chip him. If he's inside, slide to him. I think he's the guy you really just have to – if you if you slow him down and he doesn't get any sacks, then I don't see how the Dallas – defense really uh, stops the Bengals offense. I know DeMarcus Lawrence is a heck of a player, but I'd rather there's just one really good player compared to two of them, you know, trading back and forth. Like let DeMarcus Lawrence try to take on uh, the right side of the Bengals offensive line. He usually lines up over there while they focus on Micah Parsons. Is Cooper Rush going to have a Mike White game? <laughs> I'm going to say no. It feels like Lou's taking this serious. He said something about he's uh, – Rush has been with the same office coordinator for the past five years. I think he's taking this as a legitimate, like we could lose this game because Cooper Rush plays well. And Cooper Rush played well what last year in a game he threw for 300 yards and a win against the Vikings. So got to take him serious because he's not a bad backup in this league. Yeah, it's wild to me. And I feel like this is more of a hot take from some Cowboys fans, but they were stating that they feel like Cooper is better than Dak. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Whoa, whoa. That's too far. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not behind their franchise quarterback, which is so bizarre to me, and I don't agree with that at all. But I agree with you. When he's with the team and the system for that long, I I think you can't take it lightly. You got to go in and you got to see what happened at home this past weekend. Nothing really against the defense because they showed up. They were legit against the Steelers, but the offense alone. I'll ask you this with Joe Burrow, and then I'm going to get back to the Twitter questions. I promise we're going to get to your mailbag and, the, and all the questions over there. But with – Joe Burrow, do you think, yes, we saw what just happened, all the turnovers, five turnovers for him, four interceptions, maybe one or two weren't all on him, but it looked bad. Joe had a bad first half. Do you think they're going to come out offensively and get really aggressive or kind of take it easy and maybe just try to run the ball a little bit early in the first half? I've kind of gone back and forth. I think they they will play it more conservatively than – they came out with uh, Pittsburgh, but I don't think it will be just run the ball, pass on third down, pun if you don't get anything to. I think they're going to try to put Chase against these corners because he did well against Diggs last time they played, and uh, he's probably better than their second corner. So I want to get a couple shots to him, especially if Higgins is healthy. I think they'll they'll air it out a little bit. I just think it will be a little bit more cautious from Joe, but not from the play calling itself. Like I think they'll try to air it out a little bit. It'll just be Joe knows. I can't try to force these throws. 
This is what I love about Chase. When he was asked about Diggs this week, he was like, oh, yeah, good athletic guy. But he's like, oh, technique could use some work. Like, not, not afraid. <laughs> and he wasn't trying to be mean at all, but he was just kind of being honest when asked about it. And that might be my favorite player interview from this past week because he's just an honest guy out there. And I'm actually looking forward to Chase on Sunday. Speaking of which, McGee says over under Chase receptions on Sunday. Am I setting it? Um yeah, right now. Okay. Okay, and then uh, you can take the over or the under. I'll put it at seven and a half. I'm going to say over, but I it think it's. Really, I think it's. I think it's. Clo- I think it's close to that number, yeah. because here's an update on T Higgins and Jay Morrison said it earlier today, very optimistic about T Higgins. He was limited and Zach Taylor even seemed to like that after Monday's update and Wednesday's limited in practice. Unfortunately, he had uh, personal reasons that he was um, dealing with today, but for him to be able to travel and things like that, when you're going through concussion protocol, it seems optimistic about T Higgins status for this weekend. And he says he feels that T is going to play. So I think when you have T Higgins out there and you think about the wide receiver weapons and receptions, it's obviously better when Higgins is playing too. I think Jamar is probably around what we saw this past Sunday to be completely. You think so? Yeah, I do. Maybe nine. Maybe nine. Yeah. You know, he didn't really, I don't think he caught a bunch of passes in overtime because some people are trying to use that against him. They played in overtime. I thought he did most of his work in regulation from what I'm remembering at least. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, it was a big, big fourth quarter for him. And obviously if a few of those touchdowns would have counted, Jamar Chase has a, a great opener, which I see still did One twenty nine, ten 10 receptions. Oh. I mean, <laughs> he was half of a shoe size from four touchdowns, you know? <laughs> Well, that's absolutely crazy. And there was something today on social media, no offense to our PFF guys, but I want to get your opinion on this. You saw it. You know you did. And I don't agree with it, yeah. Again, I'm paraphrasing what the tweet was, but it was like uh, the targets on on Joe or Jamar, you know, wasn't enough or Jamar. I don't know. Just something about the Bengals offense, which we've talked about. It's pretty predictable in their first game, but Jamar is still Jamar chase. And he was had, I felt like a semi big game. And if one of the touchdowns, the one that everyone's talking about, the Bengals should have challenged counts. It's a huge second half for him. Everybody should be talking about Jamar chase still. He was amazing. He's one of the top five receivers in the NFL and I have no doubt he's going to finish one or two. That is not a hot take, but what do you think when people say the defense, when they use the defense might be tired against him? That's ridiculous. Even what's what's actually ridiculous, especially now, I, I mean, I guess Pittsburgh played like 100 snaps. But like I said, he did most of his work in regulation. That's before all those overtime snaps. And then the second thing is just, I believe this, somebody could fact check it, but Levi Wallace left the game. So they actually had a little bit of a rotation at corner because they had to bring in uh, Arthur Mollett to come in and play some snaps. So it, it wasn't like the corner playing the corners all played 100 snaps because I think the only one that would have played close to that would have been uh, maybe Cam Sutton. But yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't believe in that at all, especially considering that the corners didn't even play every snap (laughs) the corners he went against. I didn't even know that was possible. I did read that tweet before I had coffee this morning. So it was just a little annoying and it's still annoying to think about when you go back to it. Jamar Chase still had himself a game. Uh, This is just a fun one. We'll end with this one. When it comes to the mailbags of the week, Jacob says one bangle you would take in a bar fight. um, Reader DJ reader. You know, I feel like that's a good answer. And I actually thought about this question more than anything else I did today, but I'm going to go with, I'm in between and they're kind of mm, honorable mentions because I don't think people would put them on their list when you first think of the roster, but I have two because I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'll go on the offensive side. Ted Karras is a big teddy bear. Like when you, when you see him play, he looks like a big teddy bear. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's, he's a football player. He's, he's, He's aggressive and great, but he looks like one. He's all friendly and everything like that. When when the game was over, uh, he went up to Joe Burrow and he was like, Joe, I don't know how you handle losses. I don't know. I don't know how you know you feel after losses, but uh, you know, I'm here. Uh, and he just it, it makes me laugh. I think that guy could take someone down. I truly do. 
He's a captain on this team. I think a lot of people can see it in practice that that guy is secretly someone you would take in a bar fight. Big fight fan too. Had all the guys over for UFC. Didn't even know that. I didn't even know that. And that's another reason why. And my one who I feel like I'm just mentioning because I feel bad for him this week is Clark Harris. I feel like that guy could secretly go into a bar and fight someone. You know, my, my second, I think, is Mike Hilton because I think he's an insane person. In a good way for football. A great way. Yeah. He, I, I just, in burned my memory is Orlando Brown coming to block him and he just takes him on. <laughs> what corner is going to take on Orlando Brown and make the tackle? You know, that's a guy that if you had all your big guys and I had just had my, <laughs> I feel like uh, Mike Hilton would look back and be like, we got him. <laughs> no, I 100% agree. And I think you, you brought it, you made up a good point. You're like, in a good way, he's terrifying. I'd be terrified of him. Uh, so yeah, Bengals have plenty of guys in a bar fight. Hopefully none of them get in a bar fight uh, because we're really, they're really going to need them uh, to stay healthy and good to go. You know, we're ready for week two after week one, when we're, we're talking more about a bar fight than uh, anything else when we're thinking ahead to the Cowboys and the Cincinnati Bengals, but we'll get to all that next score predictions, big Thursday night game tonight, which I'm really looking forward to. We'll wrap up our podcast next on it's always game day in Cincinnati. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Week two is officially here. And Willie Anderson brought up a good point on Twitter yesterday. He's like, when do you guys all move on to the next game? It's Wednesday. The players and coaches are already moving on. Why is everybody still talking about this game? Well, it's because we didn't have anything to talk about on Tuesday when it was an off day. And then Monday, I feel like you're just recapping your feelings about how everything went. People are watching the film and just saying, oh, all of those mistakes. You, you really struggled. You should have won and all that stuff. But he's right. I think by Thursday, it's all full go to look ahead to week two. But uh, it's been a long week, Mike. Yeah, I, I, I agree that Wednesday is the day you move on. Um, I usually have my article come out Wednesday because I'm too lazy to put in all the effort to get it out by Tuesday morning because that's a lot to do a lot on Monday because I, I have an article come out Monday. So I have to write that, then do all the watching and then do an entire article. Yeah, whatever. Wednesday's fine. People still like it on Wednesday. Hopefully Willie doesn't care too much. Mike works really hard, everyone. He you go check out his work on all Bengals. He has plenty of breakdowns over on Twitter too. Bengals underscore Sands. Look ahead to week two. There's one thing that terrifies me, and I say it every week when too many people are taking the team. Just so many things can go wrong when it look when I look at pre- predictions on Thursday morning. You're getting the Wednesday midway point. Dak Prescott is out. Oh, you know they should be able to stop him. Joe Burrow is not going to have a bad game like he did in Week One. They should be able to win on the road. Start the season one and one, just like they did last year when they played the Chicago Bears. Unfortunately, they lost that one. But you look ahead to this matchup. What's going to happen on Sunday? Bengals win. I, I think I feel pretty confident in saying that. Now, any given Sunday, we just saw a big Bengals favorite blow the game at home, and they're on the road this time. But I feel 75, 80% sure the Bengals win this. I think they're just going to be more more prepared and more understanding of they just got kicked in, kicked in the teeth. And it's like, okay, I hate that. So let's not let that happen again. Do they get to 30 points? Um, wow, that's tough. I'll say, I'll say no, uh, but I will be very excited if they do. See, I'm at 28, 13. I didn't, I don't know why the two to three extra points. I'm like, nope, can't do it. You're only going to get 28 in this game. And I honestly, I I think at halftime, it's going to be like some lame score of 10 to three and it'll still be a game and then the second half i feel like they do get ahead by a couple scores and you kind of just break away a little bit in the third and fourth quarter i think i think i'm just really intrigued to see joe burrow in this game 
I really am because I felt like the fourth quarter Joe Burrows, who we're going to see a lot this season, and a lot. Man, I got hammered for this. Uh, I'll give Colin Cowherd the credit because I listened to it on his interview, but he had said that out of eleven starting quarterbacks, eight of them won who didn't play in preseason. And I just have one thing I would really like to say right now. I don't think Joe Burrow should ever play in a preseason game again. People feel very heated about this topic. And number two, he couldn't play in the preseason because he just had his surgery. And that would have been silly to put him out there, even though he does want to get he He wants those reps. He wants to get hit in training camp and all of that because Joe's a tough guy. If you listen to his interview on Pat McAfee, he pretty much said the same thing. And everyone's like, no, Joe, no, 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 no hits. You you stay protected. Don't don't take those. Um, but but when you think about all of that stuff, I, I'm just really intrigued to see how he bounces back. I think he just needed to kind of get those Sunday scaries out a little bit in the first and second second quarter and then he's like okay all right cool I'm calmed down things are fine but still credit to the Steelers defense but not to look too far back what do you want to see from Joe Burrow on Sunday I want to see him take shots but also um protect the ball a little bit better uh even more than the sacks the thing that will really kill you is just the turnovers so if he can protect the ball one or less turnovers and then still push the ball down the field at times when necessary and you know, he's still cooking like he likes to do, then I think it'll be, uh, I'll be very happy with the performance, but really if he just protects the ball, wins the game, I'll be happy with that performance too. It's if he gunslings, but also throws three interceptions, kind of like he did this past Sunday that will make me a little bit worried of, okay, somebody needs to like pull him aside. Just be like, just, you, you can't fit everything. <laughs> Yeah. And the thing is, I was talking to Jeff Schwartz, um, a former offensive lineman, and he said with Joe, he's like, look, I know he likes to make plays. I know that some of these sacks are on him, but that isn't great for your offense at times. And that can get Joe hurt uh, when you think about some of the things he does to make plays. And, and if he didn't do that, they're not going to the Super Bowl last year. They're not because he made plays. He made things work. He got out of almost sacks and, and ran for a first down, threw for a touchdown pass, found his guy. And that's what I love about Joe Burrow and what he can do with this offense. When you think of the next couple weeks or or even this game coming up on Sunday, is that something that you're still like, oh, Joe, you got to you got to you got to watch out. You can't you can't be taking those sacks all the time. Yeah. And, and like I've been saying, just 10 percent less, just, you know, Protect yourself and your offensive line, your offensive line from the criticism and yourself from the hits by just what on early downs, just check it down, pick up five yards, move on when uh, your thing, when it's not open, don't try to create as much on those downs, third down, whatever. I mean, there's no difference between third and long, checking it down for five yards and getting off the field without getting hit. Other than the hits, obviously, but and then taking a sack or taking a hit as you throw deep or something like that. As long as on first and second down, keep the ball moving, stay ahead of the chains. I don't see uh, the third down play creation type stuff as that big of a deal. We'll, go flip, we'll flip to the Dallas defense right now. Mike Parsons, obviously going to be the topic of conversation. A lot about injuries with the Dallas Cowboys, but he still terrifies me on what he can do to this offense. How does this offensive line contain this guy? <laughs> yeah, like I was trying to say, it's just have a plan. Have a plan wherever he is. Whether If he's inside, give him some help with the center, or you keep your tackle close. If he's outside, you give a chip with the tight end or running back. And if he's at linebacker, just make sure your pass protection plan uh, does not involve the running back picking him up. So those, those are the three things I would think of with where he lines up and how he rushes the passer. Does that mean maybe you waste a lineman when he lines up at linebacker? And if he drops, then yeah, sure. But I mean, you used to do that against the, like a Terrell Suggs where you still account alignment for him, even if he's going to drop sometimes, because you just can't have a back or a tight end solo blocking these elite pass rushers. You look around the AFC North, obviously the other teams all went undefeated Cincinnati sitting at the bottom of the division, but they have a chance to be 500 on Sunday after seeing, I'm not sure if you, you know, went back and watched the Ravens game or, or even the Browns game. 
Cincinnati gets a win on on Sunday. They have the Jets coming up, and then Miami can't look too far ahead because it's any given Sunday, as we mentioned before. Who's the best in the AFC North right now, and can Cincinnati, you know, really gain some ground over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I would guess the Ravens are the best in the North right now because they won, and they're to me, they and the Bengals are both contenders. I don't view the Browns or the Steelers as serious contenders this season. Um, maybe next year. Hopefully I'm not eating those words. <laughs> but uh, the Ravens are the ones that I think are a serious contender. They have a leg up on the Bengals because the Bengals dropped a division game and they're also one game ahead of them. Um, just got to beat them when they come into town on Friday, uh, on uh, week five. So like uh, not looking too far ahead, but then I look a little bit further <laughs> ahead to the Ravens game or no, they're going to Baltimore, I believe in that game, not the other way around. But anyway, you just got to, you got to take care of them and then you become the top dog again. I think that'll decide everything. If they're, if the Bengals are able to take care of business the next two weeks, at least, which they should Thursday night game, we'll see. There's Thursday night football tonight, and I'm actually really looking forward to this. But every time I look forward to a Thursday night matchup between, you know, a powerhouse, you look last week at the Bills and the Rams. That was terrible. The game was over pretty much just after the half. But you get Chargers and Chiefs tonight. The Chiefs are wild, man, because you go back to last year, the start of the season. It felt like Patrick Mahomes was struggling earlier and everyone's like, oh, the Chiefs aren't getting back to the playoffs. They're struggling and the defense is kind of helping them out. And then they finally get it going. I feel like the midway point of the season last year. And then the Chargers, it's Justin Herbert. Everybody loves Justin Herbert. I mean, I'm not getting into the Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert comparisons tonight because that's just it's it's everywhere. What's going to happen on this Thursday night game tonight? I know we're recording tonight, so the game's going to be over if you're listening to this on Friday. But what are you looking forward to tonight? What I'm looking forward to is hopefully a good game. It's a Thursday night game, so there could be some sloppiness. Who knows? Uh, those games are always a little bit weird with that stuff, and it's early season. Um, yeah, I mean, it's on paper, it's very exciting. I know Keenan Allen might be out, and who knows what the Chiefs do when it's not the Cardinals, but, I mean, I think it'll be a great game. What, what do you think? What are you looking forward to? Anything specific? I'm also looking forward to Mike Williams hopefully catching a touchdown for a fantasy team. Ah, fantasy football. Everybody <laughs> has a reason to watch this game tonight for their fantasy football teams. I do not play fantasy football. Nothing against fantasy football. I just would forget to change my lineup. I told people this all the time. I, I don't play, but I root for everyone to be successful um, with their team tonight. I think it's Chiefs by two scores, honestly. Oh, yeah. I, I uh, I'm going to sound so stupid when the Chargers win by three. They are. <laughs> <they're going> to. <laughs> I also think the Chiefs win by 10 plus. I just, they're at home. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough to go into Arrowhead. Really? Short week. Never heard that before. <laughs> Not for the Bengals, but for everybody else, it seems like it's tough to go into Arrowhead, especially on a short week, Thursday night football. I think the Chiefs are also, they, they're wanting to prove something. They, they've heard all the, uh, They've been dethroned talk, all this other stuff. Andy Reid, they get rid of Tyree Kill. And what do they do? They Mahomes throws for five touchdowns and the game's over by the end of the first quarter. I think they're going to try to bring that type of energy each week. Um, and I don't know if the Chargers will have the defense to slow it down. Yeah, no, personally, it, it's it's wild with the Chiefs because we talked a little bit about it last week when it comes to the AFC, you know, who's going to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. And I hope I'm completely wrong about the Chiefs. I picked the Chiefs and, and the Bucks, but at the same time, they saw what happened in the AFC championship game and their division got strong. I mean, everyone was like, oh, this team and this team and the Chargers and I, the Chiefs are, I, who knows? Nobody was talking about the Chiefs this offseason. And that's just absolutely wild to me just because of how dominant the AFC is and Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills are a heavy favorite. Even after week one, everybody wanted to take their victory lap. And I want to say, hold up. This season is far from over. I still am not buying the bills. I know Josh Allen is a real uh, deal, but I, I'm not. I'm not jumping on board in week two. You you know what was like a weird, not pop, like vocal minority opinion was trying to predict the Chiefs to come in last in the AFC West was like, well, the Broncos have Russ now and the Raiders got uh, Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones and all these guys. It's just like I, until they're dethroned. In the AFC West, I, the Chiefs are the team to beat. They're, they are – look, you combine one of the greatest play callers in history with 
one of the greatest quarterback talents in history, you've got magic. Doesn't matter whether or not they have Tyreek Hill. So, um, yeah, that it's it, the Bills specifically is like I I need to see them just trounce a good opponent in the playoffs because I mean unless they go like sixteen and one or something I'm, I'm I believe them but then I'm also just like I remember when you were the number one defense and KC moved the ball all the way down the field in thirteen seconds so that's that's what goes in my memory. That game still annoys me. I, again, I'm not trying to look too far back to the playoffs last year, but everybody wants to talk about the greatest game. That was the greatest game ever. I'm like, no, your defense sucked. That's what happened. And you had two good quarterbacks. Sorry, it wasn't the greatest game. Next week, the AFC Championship second half was. No bias. Um, but, but I just overall in the AFC, I think it's going to be a wild ride. Not to get too far into other teams either, but my hot take in the AFC West is Chiefs win the division. Raiders are the wild card. Oh, no Chargers in the wild card. No, no. I th- I think they make the wild card. The Raiders, uh, I, I don't know. The Chargers did just beat the Raiders. I I know. I know 100%. We were, we were recording and I had it on my phone. I was watching on the app while we were recording last <laughs> week. But I, I'm, I'm still taking the Raiders. They're just, I don't know. They're, gonna, they're not going to look great, but they're going to just flop their way in. Um, neither, neither one of us has taken Denver? I'm no, I... That uh, again, Seattle. It was the atmosphere was really cool. Obviously, you know the fans are all in it. Russ, Russ doesn't get the job done. The booze, the booze. It's just <laughs> wild. Two Super Bowls, but I haven't believed in the Russ Wilson hype since day one. I, I, I just I'm not there. And they thought it was going to change everything. They obviously have a legit defense. We saw what they did against the, the Bengals last year. That was a crazy game, fifteen to ten. Uh, really kind of changed the way the season was going for Cincinnati last year. But I, um, yeah, I don't believe in the Broncos. And again, we have tape so people can come at me when the Bills go win the Super Bowl, the uh, Broncos win the division, and I'm completely wrong about all of this, but I'm not there. Yeah, I guess my hot take going into the year that doesn't sound as hot anymore was Broncos finished last in the AFC West. But that's just because I have been very cautious with Russell Wilson. I feel like he hasn't played at that MVP level in a, like a year and a half at this point, and he didn't on he didn't last game either. So I I don't know. Uh, this will be a fun game to watch though for everybody that already watched it. You know, you're either laughing at us for picking the Chiefs to win by two scores or you uh, you might think we're smart. Who knows? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the Twitter thinks uh, <laughs> of that. You have plenty going on, all Bengals. You just mentioned it. You wrapped up all your hard work on Wednesday. What's up there going into game time? Yeah, I'm hoping to get a Micah Parsons article up. Just a quick one to just like look at him and how the Cowboys use him. And that should be out by the time people are listening to this. So just check my Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands or search my name, Mike Santagata, on Google with all Bengals attached to it, and you'll be able to find all of my articles. Mike Santagata. Make sure you go Bengals underscore Sands. He has the videos. He'll have the previews, all of his work over on all Bengals. You can follow me along over on at Ellen Diaz Patterson, and we will be back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati after the Bengals either win or they lose to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Thanks for listening.